I'm Savannah. I'm Alicia. And this is Burden of Proof. We're just jumping right in now on our intros. Otherwise, I will forget. Yes. To say my name. <laughs> and then that's Alicia true. will look at me and be like, you're forgetting something. Yeah, that's true. Nine times out of ten, that happens. True. Ten, time, <laughs> ten times out of ten, it happens. That's okay. I think some people asked, actually, a few people asked me when we first started why we don't do a more, like, polished professional intro saying, you know, who we are and the name of the show. And I don't know. We just never. We just don't. That's not polished and professional. It's our <laughs> vibe. <laughs> no, I have to be professional at work. I yeah. don't want to be professional yeah. in my true passion, which is podcasting. Well, my thing, my thing was, don't they know where they are? They clicked it. Yeah. I mean, they clicked on burden of proof. They know what they're listening to. I know, people are so particular about the kind of podcast that they listen to, though. Oh, so everybody's gosh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> everybody's taste is different. Although I don't understand personally because I listen to like all different kinds of podcasts so yeah some of them are more professional than others i like the style that we've gone with obviously i do too i mean call me biased but (laughs) but yeah everybody's you know everybody's Everybody's different different. and if we're not for you then we're not for you that's okay that's okay but we very much appreciate those that we are for yeah so Um, thank you when this comes out it will have been a while but we recently Hit our six month mark podcasting, and yes. I was really emotional. I was like, "Look how far we've come in just six months! Yes. It's crazy!" So, happy anniversary! Happy half birthday! Happy <laughs> half anniversary! All right, so now we'll jump into it. I have no idea Sorry what we're doing today. Okay, yay! Like I don't even because you were sick. So I was. We so haven't sick. been talking much. Sorry if I cough. Yeah, that's fine. I'll try and edit it out. All right. All right, so I was inspired by one of my favorite shows, Outlander. Outlander! I bought the audiobook. I'm going to start it. <gasps> I was so excited. Yes. Ooh. I love the books. Although I, I think that audiobook might be a little bit racy to listen to. <laughs> I've yeah, heard of <laughs> There are parts. Yeah, there's parts. So, yeah, be alone. <laughs> With headphones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this takes place in Scotland, and it is an old-timey case. Old-timey case. Old-timey. So, it is the case about Eugene, and yes, it's Eugene, not Eugene, because despite taking place in Scotland, he is actually French. Eugene. Yes. So, it's Eugene Eugene Marie Chantrell. It's a very French name. Yes. A baguette. A baguette. <laughs> I'll leave the the French accents to you. Uh, uh, Mamma mia. That's <laughs> Italian. <laughs> That's offensive. Oh, sorry. That well, was, was we're normally pretty. It's okay. People around the world are going, those dumb Americans. Well, I, I also fine. say those dumb, <laughs> dumb Americans, Americans like four times a day. So yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? We can't help where we were born. I think the French accent is one that I genuinely don't know how to do. And so now I need to fix that. Work on it. I'm going to. Yeah. All right. So Eugene Marie Chantrell was a Nantes 
I believe is how it's pronounced. Okay. France native, born in 1834. His family had some standing in society as his father was a ship owner and therefore could afford to provide Eugene with a good education. His primary education was followed by enrollment in the Nantes Medical School. He was well on track for a career in medicine, having won commendations from his teachers when he was forced to leave school. Oh. His his father had lost everything. Oh, no. It was during the French Revolution of 1848, and he could no longer fund Eugene's education. Forced to rely upon his own finances, Eugene could not afford the program, but he did attempt other medical classes in Strasbourg and Paris, of which he also neglected to complete. So, Paris. According to Eugene, he had, quote, adopted an aimless and unsettled mod of life. Okay, my man's just vibing. If he was around today, he'd live in a van. (laughs) <laughs> down by the river <laughs> no just traveling it's really popular these days van life. old snl sketch <laughs> oh <laughs> it was chris farley he was a he was a motivational speaker but he was homeless and he lived in a van down by the river and that was pretty much all his motivational speeches oh, were okay. like if you do this you'll end up living <laughs> in a van down by the river yeah okay All right, so in 1851, at just 17, Eugene fought against the Napoleonic party, but when Napoleon won and was crowned emperor, Eugene was no longer comfortable living in France. Okay. Can't imagine why. So, he sailed to America, but it's not known exactly where he went or what he did until 1862, when he left for England. I knew what my man was doing. He was vibing. He's vibing. He was vibing. He he vibes a lot. <laughs> I'll tell you that. So settling first in Newcastle, Leicester. I always want to pronounce that wrong, but it's they pronounce it Leicester. But it looks like Leicester or something oh, like that, you know? Yeah. But it's Newcastle, Leicester. He spent his time teaching French. He made his way to Edinburgh in 1866, where he quickly made professional connections and was offered much more profitable invitations to teach both French and German. His reputation grew as he provided the schools and his writings on the French language, which many began using as textbooks. So, seems like he got himself together. Things are going well for Eugene. One of Eugene's teaching positions was at Newington Academy, a private primary school. It appears that Newington, um, it's still in existence, I believe, if I found the right school okay. online. It uh, was an all-girls school, which is a bit disconcerting, as we'll find That Eugene seems to have a taste for the young ladies. Oh, no. And it was there that he met the young Elizabeth Cullen Dyer, a 15-year-old student who quickly fell for his seductions. Cullen, any relation to Edward? (laughs) I don't think Edward is Scottish, is he? Um, No, but he is a vampire, so he could have totally been there. Oh, 
Maybe. He was alive, so. I don't know. I'm going to guess on, no relation. I'm guessing on her mother's side, since Cullen is kind of used as her middle name. Dyer is her There were no female name. Cullens. Move on. We're good. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That was funny to me. <laughs> All right. Their relationship didn't take long to reach a scandalous level of intimacy. And by the time... Well, Elis- oh, hold on. She's 15. Any yeah. relationship is scandalous. Exactly. Well, yeah. What? I, I got nothing. Because by the time she was 16, Elizabeth was pregnant. Oh, oh my God. Okay. And the two married rather unenthusiastically. Like, I don't think either one of them really wanted to get married. Ugh. Okay, moving on. Mm-hmm. That's gross. Eugene never appeared to truly love Elizabeth, but his treatment of her grew more and more abusive. Their first child was born just two months after the wedding, and his bitterness was already setting in. As his drinking habits grew, so did his disdain for Elizabeth. She went on to endure his torment of verbal and physical abuse, as well as living in constant fear of his threats to kill her. He at one point threatened her with a loaded gun, but most often... He made threats of poisoning her while smugly claiming he could do so without the drug being detected in her system. That's so unfair because the whole time she was being taken advantage of. Like, it's not like her choices led her there. She was 15. There was a power dynamic. It was abuse from the Mm get-go. That's so unfair. Yes. Adding insult to injury, he apparently also neglected to lose his taste for younger women. Elizabeth consulted with an attorney about divorcing her husband on grounds of unfaithfulness, but when told about the public exposure this would cause her and their family, she chose to stay for the sake of their four children. Not surprisingly, Eugene did not restrict his alcoholism and impulsive life choices to his personal life. Attendance of his classes began to dwindle as his professionalism declined, leaving him in financial straits. So, he quit drinking, got his crap together, and stopped being a douche canoe to his wife. Yay! End of the story! Woo! Yeah, no. Just kidding. Instead, he purchased a 1,000-pound life insurance policy on the 25-year-old Elizabeth in October of 1877. Did you say douche canoe? Yeah. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So... The most interesting thing about this life insurance policy is that it was written to only take effect in the case of her death being caused by an accident. Okay, there are quite a few of them that are written that way. It, of course, was found out after her death that Eugene had been very determined to find out exactly what constituted accidental death when purchasing the policy. But it was also purchased despite Elizabeth explicitly being against it. Elizabeth told her mother that her, quote, life would soon come to an end now that it has been insured. Oh, yeah. No, she knew from the... She knew. Yes. That's horrible. So that was in October of 1877. And just months later, on New Year's Day of 1878... Elizabeth suddenly became ill and decided to go to bed early. 
her servant had been given the holiday off, but returned at 8, I'm sorry, not 8 p.m., 10 p.m., to find Elizabeth in bed with the baby beside her. Elizabeth told her she wasn't well and requested she bring her a glass of lemonade and an orange. You gotta get that vitamin C. It'll help. When the servant left the room, there was still some lemonade in the glass, and the gas for the heat was burning. Was working. Okay. Okay. The servant stated that she heard nothing more through the night except the eldest Chantrell child shushing the baby, which made her assume that they had moved the baby to the second bedroom where Eugene and the other children slept to allow Elizabeth to rest. Yeah. When the servant woke the next morning, she heard loud moaning coming from Elizabeth's room. And no, not the good kind. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. That's just very unlike you. That's totally something I would say. (laughs) So Elizabeth was seemingly unconscious, but still groaning in agony. The servant immediately called for Eugene, who only stood at Elizabeth's bedside for a few moments before sending the servant to the other bedroom, claiming he had heard the baby crying. When she got there, the baby was still asleep. And when she returned to Elizabeth's room, she found Eugene moving away from the window. Okay, that's a little sketch. Yes, it's especially sketch. We'll get there. He then asked if she smelled gas, to which she replied no. But soon after, she did become aware of the smell. Okay. It quickly became so strong that the servant shut off the meter while Eugene went to fetch a doctor. Once assessing the situation, Dr. Carmichael sent for Dr. Littlejohn. Okay. (laughs) Fantastic name. Dr. Littlejohn was the medical officer of the city. Oh, so, so he's, he's like, I got to call the big guns in because this is weird. Eugene told both doctors that there was a gas leak in Elizabeth's room. And the gas thing, the pipe, mm-hmm. happened to be right by the window. Oh, uh, convenient. So Dr. Littlejohn insisted on calling. Elizabeth's mother. And together they removed Elizabeth from the home. But it was like forceful. Like, no, we're taking her. So they took her to the Royal Infirmary where they asked Professor McLoggin, I believe, to examine her. The professor concluded that they were symptoms... um, that were more indicative of narcotic poisoning, not gas. But unfortunately, it was too late, and Elizabeth Chantrell died that afternoon. Hmm. That sucks, because she was like, they were, they, somebody was helping her, but it just was a little too late. Yeah. So, the professor and Dr. Littlejohn performed an autopsy, in which they, of course, could not detect the narcotic but they were able to rule out coal gas poisoning. Okay. Their report stated that had her death been caused by coal gas poisoning, it would have likely been detected on her breath while she was still alive and would certainly have been detectable by smell when they opened her body during the autopsy. 
Gross. Yes. Fun facts, though. However, the speed of absorption of a narcotic poison may have been completely undetectable within hours of its administration. Okay. All other testing for any other cause of death came back negative. Upon further investigation, they found corroborating evidence of narcotic poisoning, though. The servant and the doctors had noticed vomit stains on Elizabeth's nightgown and sheets when they tended to her at home. They submitted the items to the other professors at the Mm -hmm. Royal Infirmary for analysis, and those professors found the presence of opium. Oh. Due to this discovery, confirming the good doctor's suspicions, Further investigation was done, which uncovered the history of abuse and the insurance policy. Mm-hmm. So, officers arrested Eugene immediately after Elizabeth's funeral, just five days after her death. He was held for three months before the case was fully prepared, and he was indicted to stand trial. The indictment not only accused him of murdering Elizabeth, but it also addressed his treatment of her during their marriage, causing her to fear for her life. The case made against Eugene included 115 witness statements. Wow. And 198 pieces of evidence. That's insane. Now, the trial was a public spectacle with people requesting a week in advance to be admitted. Like, Ticketmaster would have made a killing. <laughs> Ticketmaster, I have words for Ticketmaster. <laughs> I know. So th- the people showed up in droves despite inclement weather in an attempt to get a seat, but most were left standing outside in disappointment. <laughs> Sad. Eugene pleaded not guilty, and so commenced the four-day trial. That's it. Four days for all that evidence and hmm. witness statements. Wow. Isn't yeah, that's that crazy? really quick. They probably just all lined up and stood up and said, <laughs> yeah, I know he's a douche canoe. <laughs> <laughs> the prosecution held that Eugene caused Elizabeth's death with evidence showing that opium poisoning was the cause, and Elizabeth showed no signs of depression or being suicidal. Yeah. They contended that though the evidence of how the drug was administered was circumstantial, Eugene was found to have opium in his possession and had knowledge of its uses and effects. Okay. And he told her on multiple occasions. (laughs) I was going to say. I'm going to poison you with something that's undetectable. They also argued that his attempt to create the impression that she died from coal gas poisoning and his proclamation of innocence before... He was ever accused. <laughs> just like, I didn't do it. Leave no, that with you for a moment. Nobody yes. said you did. I was eating the buckets. Yeah. Basically, they're like, this implies his guilt. Yeah. Like, we before we even suspected that he did this, he, was, he like, was saying, it wasn't me. I didn't do this. It wasn't me. Yeah. It's like it was- when you're a kid and you're like, well, I found the lamp broken, but it wasn't me. And your mom's like, Sorry. I didn't even know the lamp was broken. So... It was you. I just have the Shaggy song playing in my (laughs) head. It wasn't me. Shaggy? Yeah. You don't know that song? I thought it was Snoop Dogg. No, that's not Snoop Dogg. 
Oh no, I, I have to know. educate Savannah. Sorry. On yeah, it's a, a guy named Shaggy. I thought I just know Shaggy from Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Different Shaggy. Why did I think that was Snoop Dogg? Because you're right, it's not. No. Oh well, it's not. Oh, I'm thinking of some shady. No, it's not Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I have I'm to brush confused. Savannah up on her '90s rap and hip hop. Yeah, if music. you test me on any sort of pop music. I got that unlocked, but <laughs> the rap music, not so much. Not so much. That's okay. So the evidence showed that the gas pipe in Elizabeth's bedroom was broken in a way that could not have happened accidentally. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. This yep. is just ridiculous. Eugene had denied having knowledge of the pipe in general, but the evidence showed. I he- don't know. I don't know how the pipe work. That was better. Thank you. That was better. Thank you. <laughs> but the evidence showed that he had been present and examined the pipe during a previous repair. Okay, so maybe I don't know how the pipe work. Okay, <laughs> what does that mean? It'll mean nothing. No. No, <laughs> that, I lost it one, there. You I lost it. <laughs> it started leaning towards like. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, some other like. I don't know. Some other more northern, east, northeastern European country. I don't know. It's like a blend. It was like a blend. It's I'm okay. just trying not to do the Swedish chef. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> now that's all I can picture. <laughs> I, have, the I have this picture in my head of the <coughs> Swedish chef. It's funnier Although that way. Although Swedish is... Yeah. I don't yeah. ask why. That's just what my brain is doing. <laughs> I'm going to go home and I'm going to learn how to do French accent and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to blow your mind. Okay. I count on it. I can't wait. All right. So finally, the prosecution shared evidence of his abusive treatment and threats to poison Elizabeth throughout their marriage. The poor state of his finances, along with the life insurance policy, which all points to motive. The defense, on the other hand, took a rather sad approach to the whole thing. Oh, no. Rather than argue potential alternatives to the cause of death or who is responsible, he simply argued each of the prosecution's points with denial and then proceeded to claim that Elizabeth's symptoms aligned more with those of coal gas poisoning rather than opium poisoning. That's it. So basically, like, You'll say he knows he knows the pipe. I say he don't know the pipe. Yeah, it was kind of just a bunch of gaslighting. Like, no. No. No, that's <laughs> not what happened. I mean, but he didn't really have any other options, I guess. Not much. It was noted by those sitting in the trial that Eugene's composure remained intact throughout the whole thing until the closing statements of his defense in which he repeatedly asked out loud, is that all the evidence for the defense? <laughs> Like, that's all you have? I'm going to jail. <laughs> Unfortunately for Eugene, that was all his defense team had. So I guess the baguette's in jail. <laughs> and with that, the trial was concluded. After only an hour and 10 minutes of deliberation, the jury found Eugene guilty, to which he maintained his composure and only the color leaving his face indicated how he felt about it. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> that was until the justice's sentence. The justice's sentencing. 
can't say that properly. Upon the justice's announcement of the death penalty, Eugene broke out into a very animated profession, insisting that the evidence neglected to prove whether Elizabeth had taken the opium herself or if someone had given it to her. Then that that a person had rubbed it into her nightgown and bedding to incriminate him. In doing this, he basically confirmed that the prosecution's assertion was right all along. That she was given <laughs> opium poisoning yes. and not coal gas poisoning. Yes. Oh, honey. He just threw, like, he just threw his entire defense. Uh, yeah, out the under- window. Yeah. So. Oh, you stupid, stupid man. Yeah. That wasn't even close. Oh, no. No. (laughs) But that's okay. As officers escorted him out of the courtroom, Eugene became faint. He quickly recovered once stimulated. (laughs) He's so dramatic. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He quickly recovered, though, and he continued his assertion of being set up to anyone who would listen. When asked who would have done so, he replied, quote, Ah, I cannot tell that. <laughs> I know, that's not a good, that's not a good accent. Ah, oh, I cannot tell that. I know. I, I can only semi-do it if I think of um, Lumiere, <laughs> Lumiere <laughs> from the Beauty and the Beast. Oh, I need and to, And then okay. that's a really not, it's I mean, not, that's I overdone. Think it's good, and, yeah. yeah. So, that's terrible. Okay, so now... Oh, I cannot tell that. (laughs) I can't. It's so dead. I'm so dead. So while imprisoned, Eugene remained seemingly indifferent on the surface, but one guard reported him muttering through clenched teeth, quote, Would that I could but place a fuse in the center of this earth that I could blow it to pieces and with it the whole of humanity. Oh, I hate them. So <laughs> dramatic. Oh, he's so moody. You're such like you're so oh, you would be on Reddit if this was <laughs> if this was today, you'd be on Reddit. He of course petitioned for a commutation of sentence asserting that the entire case was circumstantial, being that there was no opium found in Elizabeth's body. But so for but anybody not- who may not know what a commutation of sentence is, it's in this case being in Scotland, it's basically he sends a petition to what they call a home secretary. That person reviews it. And if they think there's grounds for it, they literally give it. They pass it on to the queen herself. Oh, yes. And then she can say, nope, nope. He, he doesn't get the death penalty. She can override whatever. So it's the same thing as. um. It's just like here you petition to the governor of a state or the president or whatever. So along with this, his petition was a petition signed by his numerous supporters who claimed that not only was opium not found in her body, but that none of the stains in the bedding said to contain opium were proven to be caused by vomiting. Okay. (laughs) I don't know just what to say. What that it is what it is. <laughs> he said it. <laughs> Support for Eugene had grown as some prominent opponents of capital punishment caught wind of his case. 
and decided that he was the horse they were willing to bet on, so to speak. Can we pick a different horse? I would think you'd want to, but... This one's a douche canoe. They held on. The Home Secretary considered the petition, but concluded that there was not sufficient grounds to justify requesting Queen Victoria's intervention. She's a busy lady. Yeah. Now, in case y'all weren't already disgusted enough by this man. Oh, I'm scared. I thought I'd throw in this lovely tidbit. Throughout his weeks in prison, Eugene was visited by a priest and then a Protestant reverend in an attempt to guide him into repentance. Much like his attitude at trial, he was at best indifferent and at times callous towards their attempts. That is, until the evening before he was to be executed. It was only then that he reportedly opened up to the reverend in which, quote, he confessed that he had lived a life full of wickedness, but that there had never ceased to be a working of conscience against his misdeeds. He had, moreover, often entertained atheistic opinions and repudiated religion, but now, at the last hour, he was glad to go back with full penitence to the simple faith of his boyhood. I don't <laughs> want to comment. That's so... He just said, I don't have a conscience. I just do what I want to do. And now I'm going to... Now I got caught, so that's sad. That's basically what he just said. Yeah. That's annoying. Well, to me, it's that I, I get forgiveness, grace... God will forgive you and you can go yeah. to heaven no matter when you like repent and turn around. But it's really kind of gross to me that it didn't. I feel like if it had been genuine, it would have happened right away. Not literally right. Like once he exhausted all options and he knows, oh, yeah, I'm going to die. So I better I better figure it out yeah. and get it together so that I go. You know, that's what's mm -hmm. gross to me. Anyway. Ew. Ew. It's like Jimmy Fallon. Ew! <laughs> yes. Ew. After this confession, Eugene asked to write a statement in which he spoke of resting his hopes in Jesus, thanking the Reverend for his kindness, and most significantly, the claim that everyone knew how much he adored his children, and that because of this adoration, he could never have done anything to harm their mother. Mm, no. No. It had been 13 years since a prisoner was executed in Edinburgh. And thanks to the Capital Punishment Amendment Act of 1868, Eugene Cantrell uh, would be the first to be executed privately within the prison. Okay. This, of course, did not stop nor change the general public's morbid curiosity. I know. I hate when people are like, and we've talked about this before. Oh, we just, I don't know why the obsession with true crime these days. We've always been obsessed with true crime. Yeah. As a human race, we have always been obsessed with true crime and the morbid and like the macabre. The yeah. Always. Yeah. Now it's just super accessible. Yes, true. 
So on the morning of May 31st, 1878, thousands of people milled about outside the prison hoping to get a glimpse of Eugene. Eugene, sorry. One last time. I don't think I'd ever want to go to somebody's like death sentence, like anybody's execution. I don't I don't have any desire to do I don't, that. I, yeah, like my true crime fascination definitely stems a lot from the psychological side, not the yeah grotesque or like I mean, gory parts I'm of fine. stuff. I like some some gruesome facts, but I don't think I have any desire to actually to see witness that. it. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely don't. Like, I just think about uh, Tansler and like people going to see her body, body. and I'm like, that I, was. I don't think I want to do that. Like, I've seen, I've seen a not, I well, I can't say a crime scene, but I've seen where somebody, I've seen people where people have died. Yeah. And I've even seen it directly after they've passed away and like in violent ways. And I don't like it. No. But even then I get it. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. But it's terrifying. I don't I don't want to see it any more than I have to for work. Yeah. Or for. Well, even when it's not like some grotesque, like we've just changed so much at, in society. Yeah. But um, I'm going to go off on a bit of a ra- rabbit trail, but it does. Yeah, it comes back. It makes sense. So just the other day, I don't ask me how I got on this topic with my children. I don't even remember. <laughs> but <laughs> we started talking about like your wishes after you die. Yeah. Like, do you want to be buried? How do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? You know, all that stuff. And so I shared with them, well, I always thought I wanted to be cremated until... I learned that actually the pollution from cremating is just as bad, if yeah. not worse, for the environment as being fully like embalmed and buried and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we had the whole conversation of how I actually would prefer to be buried in a natural or, you know, eco cemetery, but that they're only in certain places in the country, yada, yada. And they asked me, well, why do, why do they? put all those chemicals and balm people, you know. And I explained that I to my knowledge and recollection, it's because people used to be on display yeah. for days at a time. Like it literally people would keep their body like in their house and like Yeah. And I explained that and the look of like horror. weird horror on their face was like, yeah. why would you ever do that? Have your children ever been to an open casket funeral? No, they haven't. And I've been to, I've, I think I've, I've only been, been to one, but I remember the yeah. warning that my mom gave me before we go in. Yeah. And I'm really like, we're doing what? Yeah. So the, exactly. And that's what I told them because they're like, the person's dead. Like, why do you need to see them? Like, why is that a thing? And I said, well, it's the idea that it gives you closure seeing them dead yeah but the truth of the matter is if you're grieving somebody you still it doesn't matter if you sat there and saw them dead like you'll still have moments where you think you catch a glimpse of them, you know or yeah you like forget for moments that they're gone and you think oh I should call them or I you know whatever whatever it is it depends on the circumstances but and they're like, yeah, I don't think that would give me more closure. I They're gone and that doesn't. I mean, I kind of get it. But at the same time, I, I think to me it does more harm than good. But that's because I we all know I feel very strongly about burial practices. And yes. So it 
I told them about your choice of burial as well. I just didn't want to share it on here. Oh, I don't care. I want to go to a body farm. Steps are in place. It's happening, baby. They thought that was very cool. They liked the idea (laughs) of that. It is cool. Yeah, that you're helping in some way. So all that to be said, um, how did we get on this topic? (laughs) Oh, um, the people have always liked yes things and oh, like yeah i don't i but i've always thought that when you're watching or you're learning about um serial killers who die and people who go to see it i don't even know if it's hard to put yourself in the position of like you had a loved one a loved one who was killed by somebody and they're now being executed do you go and i don't know i kind of feel like in that in that situation i might i understand why people would go I personally, I don't think it would matter to me as long as I know it's happening and I'm being told it's happening. No, like, I think I, 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 think think I would go. I, I don't know that I would want to go. If I, I'm just thinking about it now. I'm processing it now. Live, live, inter- live, <laughs> live thing. I know I, a few minutes ago I said I wouldn't go. But I think if like somebody had killed my best friend That's, and yeah. they, were, uh, they were going to be executed, I think I would be there. And I'd be looking at them the whole time like, bitch. <laughs> What do you think you are? That's what you get. Now you're going to go and you're going to go burn. Thank you very much. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, this well, is a I tangent. Don't, he didn't kill thousands. Chantrell did not kill thousands of people. But no. I think it's just, it was so, especially when all the facts come out in court about his abuse of her. And it's just like, come on, man. I don't generally believe in the death penalty either. So it this is all a pointless conversation. Oh, well. I guess this doesn't really, that doesn't really pertain. I just had the thought. Yeah. I'm not really against it entirely. Yeah. I just don't really. I think that we do better with it. Like in this time period that this case is taking, like I feel like it was handed out a little too easily. Yeah. Well, I think part of that is they just didn't have the resources to deal with it. Yeah. They didn't have the uh, million billions of dollar empire that is our penitentiary. That is don't our, even get me started on prison reform because I will. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, moving on. Sorry for all. Sorry for all the banter. I know. Now people like are banter. People aren't going to listen. That's okay. If you don't like banter, it's okay. I'm almost done. We're wrapping up. So yeah. they didn't miss much. They got. They got. He. He did it. He was found guilty. Skip like three Pre- minutes. You're fine. Predominantly based on circumstantial evidence, but back in those days, like That's all you had. How, I mean. There wasn't that much forensics that they could do. I mean, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck. Yes. It's a duck. It's Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Completely threw me off guard. (laughs) That's like actually what I'm coughing like. I'm having to like really try not to have this coughing fit. Sorry. If it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's Donald Trump. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm done. Sorry. So after a service with the good reverend and the prison chaplain, Eugene was escorted by procession to the west side of the prison, which had been adapted with a platform that would give way to an eight-foot drop. They had a death parade. Basically. (laughs) Eugene took his place under the rope, and as the reverend recited the Lord's Prayer, they placed the rope on him, and within just a minute of entering the room, he disappeared from view to a quick death. His body was then held temporarily to take a plaster cast of his head 
for scientific purposes before what? being buried within the prison grounds. Within? Okay. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I have a lot of questions. Number one, was he was hanged? Yes. But then- but This his, was the 1800s. So, okay. I guess, I guess my question is, so, okay. You might want to cut this out because it's probably stupid. So he was standing here mm-hmm. and they just gave the rope that much- room to drop no like it's a platform and then it dropped yeah but like they like not all platforms for hanging people um back then like weren't built like sometimes they'd mess up and like not build it super yeah the drop wasn't enough this was an eight foot drop so it was plenty of room that and strong enough that he, when he went down, like I'm sure it snapped yeah, his neck. But like, my question right is, you said he disappeared from view. So like, was it? Did he yeah, because they're all. It's it's like a room. Yeah. Oh. So okay. it's like a um, I mean, I don't know exactly, but based on yeah. the description in the very ag 1800 language, it sounded like it's this room, and they have the platform, but like you can't see him once he drops. Like yeah, I guess that was my question. I was just making sure that I yeah, heard you right. Yeah, because they're in the room, and some you know a few of them are up on the platform, but you can't like see they, it. Yeah, okay. and I think that had to do with that amendment act that it was private. they had passed that was like this is not good that we have like this done publicly and everybody can see it, and so let's just do it within the prison privately, okay. and the only people that need to actually see the body is you know the people in charge yeah and so then he was buried within prison grounds yes that's spooky yeah i i get i'm assuming i don't have a a real answer but i'm assuming that was just standard yeah they must have a cemetery then that's weird so that is the story of eugene marie chantrell wow I enjoyed that. He lived a sad little life. He was a horrible person. Kind of. Yeah. Ew. Ew. <laughs> Ew. There you go. Old well, timey case. Excellent job. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. If you made it if all you the way through it. and listened to our nonsense, our nonsensical banner. Banter. If you banner. made it this far, <laughs> go comment. Baguette. the instagram post and we'll send you a little video to say thank you yeah that sounds cool yeah all right all right till next time guys till next time bye bye thanks for listening guys find us on instagram and tiktok at burden of proof pod and email us at burden of proof pod at gmail.com bye